Welcome to Hauntings and Homicide. I am one of your co-ghosts, Selena, <laughs> and I am terrified of the world. I'm Heather, and I haven't slept in years, and probably never will again, because my life is ruined. Um, so this is a take two of the first episode of our two-part series. No, this is not Friday the 13th. This is just a normal Monday, but where our audio uh, got completely shit. Yeah, so just. we've already recorded this episode once, and there was a bunch of static shit over it, and was unusable. Yes. So we have to record it again. Can you tell we're so enthused? Oh my god. Anyway, Also, all kinds of other shenanigans <laughs> happened while- The pets were All of my animals out. went ape shit. This is the first episode in a two-part series about the West Memphis Three. This is an exercise in... Um, we're doing our episode a little differently today. We're doing basically a pro and a... A cons? It's... So not a pro and a con. Not really. Kind of, though, in broad strokes terms. Um, I'm going to present this case as if the West Memphis Three are guilty. And Selena is going to present it as if they are innocent. Which I believe they are. So... Nothing in this episode uh, is my own opinion. This is just me trying to make them look as guilty as possible. She's acting this episode. Yes. This is role-playing. I'm role-playing as a lawyer. So, you know, when it comes to cases like this, it's important to do your own research and not just believe everything you hear. Mm -hmm. Um, So, 1-2% to of people on death row are actually innocent. Which is like a hundred thousand people. Is that an actual fact? Uh, sort of. I'm a little the. I'm a little gray on the math because I don't do math, but yes, one to two percent. The intent is there. Mm-hmm. Okay. About <laughs> so rounding in something or other. Um, yeah. So this is just an exercise in uh, showing that things aren't always what they seem, yes. and don't believe everything you hear in the news or the way things are presented. Sometimes things deserve to be looked at a little bit closer. Um, And this is just showing you how these boys were presented to look guilty. And... It was very much a public trial. Mm Mm-hmm. Where... There was a media circus. There was documentaries made, which I watched. You said you watched most of them. I've watched them previously within the past two years, and then I rewatched two of them. Yeah. Because they're long. Okay. Yeah. I watched like 10 hours worth of documentary in the I last have two not weeks. watched the movie, though. Devil's Knot? I have not watched Devil's Knot, and then I have not watched the Peter Jackson. Oh, West of Memphis. Yeah. I which watched, was. West of Memphis is really good. Produced if, with Damien Eccles, right? Uh huh. Yeah. And if you're going to only pick one, watch West of Memphis. Because. Uh, it's only one part. <laughs> it's only one part. If you watch Paradise Lost, they're like two. Hours to two and a half hours an episode. Yeah, and there's three. And there's three. But so it's quite they a are spread out through a large timeline, so that's kind of interesting because you yeah. get... Yeah. If you... I mean, down the line, I recommend watching all of them, but if... P.S. All three parts of Paradise Lost are free on Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah, that's right. West of Memphis is not... You have to pay for it, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's... And Devil's Not as far as I'm... Yeah, but that I could not find anywhere for free. Oh, I wasn't really interested in... And I'm a broke bitch right now. I don't really want to watch a movie based on it. Like, I don't... 
Oh, I will eventually go back. Okay, so just remember that I'm going to be presenting everything to make them look as guilty as possible, which is basically what happened to them. Yes. Um, Also, full disclaimer, this case deals with child murder. Mm -hmm. So if that's something that you cannot deal with, not that anyone can deal with it, but if that's your hard limit, dip out now. We respectfully reported, but also tried to keep it as accurate without going too in-depth. Right. When I talk about their uh, injuries, I, I'm not going to go We did it as broad details. as you could. Right. While still being, like, so you can get the idea. So, for my research, I used mostly wikipedia.com, the unredacted, and thought catalog, but most of my research was done by just my own sifting through official documents like police reports, medical records, interrogation transcripts, etc. Also, big thank you to Alex Reagan for helping me so much with this case, with notes and research and just talking to me about it at all hours because I was obsessed, and I've been doing so much work on this case for the past... Two weeks? It makes three me weeks feel kind of good that you got your mom also obsessed with it. Oh, yeah. My mom was, like, strung yeah. out on this thing. Um, okay. On May 4th, 1993, three eight-year-old boys were reported missing from West Memphis, Arkansas. Local civilians conducted a search, but the whereabouts of the children were still unknown. While there was a light investigation done by police initially... When the boys still hadn't been located by 8 a.m. the next morning, a more thorough search was launched, leading to the gruesome discovery that would rattle this quiet country town for decades to come. Their names were Stevie Branch, Michael Moore, and Christopher Byers, second graders that attended Weaver Elementary School. The three of them had been the best of friends and were even in the same Boy Scout troop. Now, their lifeless bodies lay in a drainage canal at the foot of Robin Hood Hills, naked, their hands and ankles tied together with their own shoelaces. The knots that were used were three distinctly different styles, usually indicating three different assailants. The boys' clothing was found nearby in the creek, some of it inside out and pierced with stakes to keep them submerged and out of sight. It was said that the scene appeared to have occult-like or satanic undertones. Christopher Byers' body had multiple lacerations and his genitals had been brutally mutilated. Someone had murdered these innocent boys in the coldest of blood, someone even more depraved than your average killer. Autopsies were conducted, finding that Christopher Byers had died due to multiple injuries, while Stevie Branch and Michael Moore's deaths were caused by multiple injuries and drowning, as their bodies had been discovered in the water. It didn't take long for authorities to zero in on three local teenagers who had a reputation for making trouble. They were known for wearing all black, listening to heavy metal, and allegedly performing satanic rituals in the woods. Damien Eccles, 18, Jesse Miss Kelly, 17, and Jason Baldwin, 16 years old. All three of them had previous run-ins with the law, and Damien, a Sagittarius, an obvious alpha of the group, suffered from severe mental illness issues. Damien (laughs) had been hospitalized three times in the previous year due to anger and thoughts of killing others and himself. His parents often feared for their lives in regards to what he might do to not only them, but the other children that lived in their home. 
the word. I have to improvise a thousand times. I, yeah, I did too because I this I probably wrote this at two in the morning, on sleeping pills like. I need to actually buy a computer because typing all of this on my phone is ridiculous. Oh my fucking god! But also, I don't think I can type. Did you see me trying to type yeah. in passwords earlier? I don't know if I could. I don't know how to type. I like my I nails are in the way. I know. I don't need to it's do hard. this for a living, so I'm like, it took I need me, my nails for my actual day job. It took me like, I would be a pecker. Forty out. You would be a what? A pecker when people type. I don't know if that's the word you want to use. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Isn't time. there a meme about a gift like, um, where it's like I have um point five words per minute? Is that good? I used to be really good too. I, I had really that little too. computer program thingy. Mm-hmm. What was it called? There was know. one that would like mm-hmm. you would test your typing skills, and I did really well. Yeah, I was really good too. And then once. I got bougie and got nails in. And then I used to be able to play the guitar. I, see I played them all the guitar. Collecting dust. Yeah. I played the guitar for like twenty years, and then I was but like, you know, you know what? what? I'm gonna have nails. Now I can do this. Exactly. It's like, um, if someone was attacking me, I could gouge hey, their eyes out. Dolly Parton got the nine to five. Like she started doing this, and that's how she came up with it. Well, nine to five, you know, was uh, I started writing on the set when we did that with Jane and Lily. I wear these uh, acrylic nails, and you you have to wear the nails to get that sound. You know? But anyway, I, just, I thought it sounded like a typewriter, too. So I'd do, I tumble out of bed and stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition. So, oh my god, I love that. Yeah. Um, okay. During the trial, a large dossier was compiled to document all of Damien's previous psychiatric behavior, known as Exhibit 500. Though the initial intention for this was to aid in proving Damien's innocence, it only made him appear that much more guilty. Inside the document, the mind of a deeply disturbed young man was displayed, stating that Damien experienced delusions of grandeur, had violent and homicidal thoughts, and was obsessed with Satan and the occult. He believed that he was possessed by a spirit called Rosie, and even thought himself to be God. Do you think Rosie knows Jody? I would hope so. I would hope so. I hope somewhere in the spirit realm, d- d- uh... Demon realm? Demon, thank Remember, you. Jody was a demon. That's there. right. I was trying to, I, I kept saying devil, but I was like, no, wrong D. <laughs> demon D. Pig. <laughs> and in oh, case you didn't know, this is a reference to our Amityville episode. Anyway, Damien had a troubled relationship with school. More often than not, he didn't attend at all. He'd had a couple of serious incidents where he'd become violent <laughs> against other classmates and even tried to gouge out the eye of another boy. He was... <laughs> He was. I can't. I can't. These are funny things, right? I. I mean, it shouldn't be, but just imagining someone trying to gouge out someone else's eye yeah. is. I'm sorry, but what? What does that mean? He was going around like with his thumbs out, like. Mm, Maybe. Let me get you. God. Who knows? Okay, so he was just as violent against his own family members. Damien was once detained for violating his probation and threatening to slit his parents' throat and, quote-unquote, eat them alive. Could you imagine telling your parents you were going to eat them? I'm going to Jeffrey Bomber. <laughs> Bomber. <laughs> Have you? Mom, I'm not. You can't give me a curfew. <laughs> I'm going to eat you. <laughs> I'm going to eat you. The side of fava beans. I'm gonna Jeffrey Dahmer, you ass mom. <laughs> That's some spiteful. Oh my shit. god, mom! 
Do you want me to fucking eat you? I'm gonna <laughs> eat you! <laughs> Alright. Okay. He told a psychiatrist that sometimes he blows up and the only solution is to hurt someone. <sighs> Damien explained in another session how he enjoyed drinking blood. <laughs> as this is how he obtained his power. He's just an edgelord. Like, this is... Remember we talked about edgelords, like, at length? Yes. Like, um, Damien is the king of the edgelords. He's going around saying all this stuff to freak people out as much as possible. Like, he's just doing the edgiest, most insane shit he can to get the biggest reactions out of well, people. Well, yeah, because they live in the middle of, like, the Bible Belt. Bumblefuck so, Banjo, yeah. Arkansas. <clears throat> so I feel like that's, like... It's an act. Oh, yeah. I'm sure somewhere along his be... lines, he's probably like, oh, uh-huh. I'm the alternative kid that doesn't believe in Jesus, so I'm automatically... The devil. Yeah. There had been an incident in a psychiatric hospital in which another patient had cut themselves, and Damien had immediately grabbed their wrist, sucked the blood out, and began smearing it all over his body. <laughs> Sounds like a mental breakdown if I ever heard one. Not that I would know. In another session... He went on to describe the way in which he communicated to spirits and demons, which was achieved through ritual. At one point, Damien claimed that he and his girlfriend were going to have a baby together, a boy, which would then be sacrificed to Satan. Like all boys do. Could you imagine? Like, we're having a baby, but don't get attached because Satan's straight to Satan. Match it up. He and his girlfriend did end up having a baby, which was a boy, so this was extremely concerning. Damien himself was actually born with the name Michael, but gave himself the new moniker after what he claims to be his hero, Father Damien, a 19th century priest who worked with lepers. But rumors had long been circulating that he actually named himself after the horror film The Omen, in which the son of Satan's name had been Damien. Look at me, Damien! It's all for you! Eccles would go on to name his own child Damien as well. Like, bro... There's more than one name in the world. <sighs> Damien is a very... It just... Instantly, I thought of it's the like Omen. It's cli- like cliche goth trash. Yeah. Okay. So, Damien had been the first to be interviewed by the police in regards to the murder of the three young boys, and his polygraph test had indicated deception, earning him a fail. He also had specific knowledge of the genital mutilation, which law enforcement found to be incriminating. All right, that's enough about... Damien and his demonic blood-sucking baby you sacrificing. Do you want to hear more about him? I could... Look, this was from, like, 50 different <laughs> reports about this, and there was, like, a thousand more. And I'm like, you know what? I think this about covers it. I think that's... I think you get the picture. Yeah. <clears throat> so, let's talk about Jason now. Jason Baldwin, an Aries, was often referred to as quiet and was praised for his artistic skills. I don't know any Aries, so... My sister's an Aries. Okay, enough said. But he had a dark side as well. He had previously been arrested for shoplifting and had been known to become violent when angry. On March 19, 1993, under two months prior to the murders, Jason wrote in a class journaling assignment, quote, I am usually a calm person and can take most anything, but sometimes I get angry. When I do get angry, it is usually not a pretty sight. In September of 93, Jason wrote the lyrics to Pink Floyd's One of My Turns in his journal, painting a disturbing picture. The lyrics are as follows. Day after day, love turns gray, like skin on a dying man. 
Night after night, we pretend it's all right, but I have grown older, and you have grown colder. Nothing is very much fun anymore, and I can feel unopened wounds coming on. I feel cold as a razor blade, tight as a tourniquet, dry as a funeral drum. Walk to the bedroom and the suitcase in the bathroom, you'll find my favorite axe. Don't look surprising, as it's just a passing phase, when I've lived one of my bad days. There's not really a lot about Jason, so that's... It's all. It's all. We'll get into that on the next Yep. <clears throat> so, Jesse Miss Kelly, who's a cancer, was picked up for questioning, not because he was an actual suspect, but because he associated with Damien and Jason. The police wanted to know if he'd heard Jason and Damien discussing the murders, to which Jesse claimed he hadn't seen Damien in about three weeks, and that he himself had never been to Robin Hood Hills, where the boys' bodies had been found. Jesse implied that he'd been avoiding Damien, and stated that Damien was, quote, sick in the head and drinks blood, end quote. It was heavily implied that Jesse was afraid of Damien. At Jesse's second interview, things took a different turn. Jesse claimed that Jason had called him the morning of May 4th and told him to come to West Memphis with him and Damien. He stated that they'd walk there around 9 a.m. Jesse was shown photos of the three boys by the police interrogator and was asked to identify them. He claimed that Damien had sexually assaulted the boys and that Damien had been watching them for weeks prior. When asked again, Jesse claimed it had actually been Jason that had assaulted the boys. He also stated that he, Jason, and Damien had a cult and that they would sometimes abduct women and rape them. He went on to say that they would also skin and eat dogs. It's a little extreme. Jesse's official stance at this time. A lot of extreme. Everything. This whole thing is extreme. Everything that everything that came out of these boys' mouth was just the utmost, most offensive thing you've ever heard in your life. Um, so Jesse's official stance at this time was that he himself didn't participate in the murders of the three young boys, but he had witnessed the entire thing. In Jesse's third interview, he appeared to have a lot of trouble remembering just what time of day the incident had occurred and what kind of ligature had been used to bind the boys' hands and ankles together. In Jesse's polygraph, deception was detected when asked about his involvement in the murders, knowledge of the murders, and about being in Robin Hood Hills in general. Jesse went on to say that Wednesdays were special to their cult, and the murders had indeed been a sacrificial ritual. After the murders occurred, Jesse said that he had returned to the scene and cried, thinking about what had been done. He cried while he spoke of this and appeared to be authentically upset and remorseful. Jesse's appointed lawyer, Dan Stidham, made notes at this time, some of which revealed some very interesting information. Now, Jesse kept flip-flopping on whether he'd seen the boys before, even though previously he'd been able to identify each photo of the boys by name. He claimed now that he hadn't seen the boys riding their bikes, despite previously stating that he had. Jesse switched back to have had seen the bikes and could describe them by color. Jesse said that Damien had been carrying a knife, despite claiming earlier on that Damien hadn't had a knife, and went on to give a description of it. Jesse confessed to the fact that he himself had pulled knives, bats, and even guns on people in the past, which is corroborated as fact by his record. So he kept flip-flopping the story like a million times, and that must have driven people just absolutely bonkers. I'll get into that. Okay, so, when asked by his psychologist, when people try to get you mad, it's alright to pull a gun on them? Jesse responded with, yeah. Sure. I mean, duh. The milkshake machine's broken at McDonald's? Gun. Gun. I mean, when their ice cream machine's not working, 90% of the time, I would be pissed too. You're gonna pull a gun? 
want my damn cone. I get so mad every time I go to the drive-thru, and that's all I go there strictly for. And they're like, our stream machine's not working. Okay, the cool. conspiracy theorist in me believes that that's fucking bullshit. Okay. So. When being transported by officers on February 4th, Jesse was under the impression that anything he said couldn't be used against him, and once again, confessed to the crime. His story was extremely familiar to his first confession. Jason had called him the morning of May 4th, and they had gone swimming in the creek. The three teenagers had seen the young boys from afar, and Damien ordered Jesse and Jason to hide behind the bushes, and then went on to assault one of the boys. When the boy's friends started attacking Damien to try and free the first victim, Jason and Jesse came out from their hiding places and subdued the other two children. Jesse stated that the boys were then raped by Jason and Damien. Jesse claimed that he helped tie up and hold down the boys, who were still alive during their sexual assault, but did not participate in the rape or murder. Jesse said that the boy who had been mutilated had been alive for that as well. Jesse went on to tell these officers that he had lied to his lawyers about his innocence. He said that everything he mentioned initially about the cult was true, and he was indeed a part of it. There was no reason for Jesse to recant his innocence at this time, so why would he confess to the crime now? If he'd been led so much by police in the initial interview, time and space should have brought clarity, and if anything, he should feel more strongly than ever that he'd had nothing to do with it. Suspicious AF. Jesse's stance after the first police interview was that he'd been led, that he'd been manipulated by police to confess when he actually had no previous knowledge of the details of the incident. So how could he recite the same scenario down to the detail without any help? When confronted about this testimony by his lawyer, Jesse stated, quote, The truth is, me and Jason and Damien done it. End quote. I'm sorry. He even placed his hand on a Bible and swore something that holds a hell of a lot of weight in the deeply religious South. To add even more legitimacy to his claim, Jesse told Stidham, his lawyer, that before the crime was committed, he had gotten drunk on Evan Williams' whiskey, and when the bottle was empty, he'd smashed it on the ground. You know, like you do. Stidham told prosecutors that if they could find that bottle, he'd have no choice but to believe his client. So with West Memphis police in tow, they went to search for it. To Stidham's dismay, the bottle was found exactly where Jesse had claimed it would be. A bottle of Evan Williams whiskey in the woods of Arkansas? Sounds so unheard of. I mean, what are the odds? Not that I have any opinion. Um, Jesse's IQ is often reported to be somewhere in the 70 to 80 range, categorizing him as well below average intelligence. However, there is evidence to support the fact that this was all very much exaggerated. Jesse had been informed that scoring low on an IQ test would greatly aid him in avoiding the death penalty. On the test, there were signs that showed Jesse had most likely made deliberate choices to achieve a lower score. So, let's talk about alibis. Or the lack thereof. Damien claimed on the night of the murders that he'd been at home and on the phone with three different people who could corroborate his whereabouts. But there are many holes in this story. The first girl that Damien claimed to have been speaking to told police she'd actually only spoken to him earlier that day around 3 to 4 p.m. Heather Cleat says she only spoke to Damien around 10.30 p.m. as she was unable to reach him earlier. Damien's girlfriend, Dominique Tier, said that she'd spoken to him earlier that day at about 5 to 5.30, and then later on at about 10 p.m. 
Was this all his girlfriends he was talking to? These are all of his girlfriends. Damien had a harem um, because he was like, you know. The bad boy of the South? The bad boy of the South. He was probably the only person who like looked different from everyone else. The emo boy of the South? God. What were they called? Okay, so. They were goth. Yeah? Yeah. He was the goth kid? Mm-hmm. Who pulled all the bitches. And then Jason was like goth light. And then Jesse was not goth at all. No, Jesse was just... He was he was just Jesse. Jason just liked music. He liked... J- yeah, he liked... Uh, he was like diet edgelord. Um, Je- uh, Damien was like full-blown edgelord. Just like... Like, I'm so evil. Look at me. Look at all this blood I smeared all over myself. But did he not pull all the girls? He did. He had a harem. He had a freaking harem. Oh, man. Damien left one girl out of the picture entirely, most likely due to the fact that it completely tanked his whole alleged alibi. Uh, She (laughs) told police that on May 4th, she'd phoned Jason's house at about 4.15 and had spoken to both Jason and Damien for about 20 minutes before Damien told her that they needed to hang up because he and Jason were going somewhere and to call his grandmother's house at 8 p.m. So this girl's name was Jennifer. um, And she did call the grandmother later on at 8 and she told her that Damien wasn't there. Um, She finally reached Damien at about 9.30 p.m., And this missing chunk of time just so happened to coincide with the time of the murders. Um, So Jesse's claim that he had been at a karate or wrestling tournament have never been confirmed. The witnesses of such have given conflicting reports, and the photos presented of the event were proven to have been taken months prior to May 4th. Jason attempted to convince his brother and his friend Ken to lie on his behalf in order to construct an alibi, but eventually gave up. And no alibi at all was ever given. A witness came forward who knew Damien very well, stating that she had seen him on the night of the murders on the side of the road near where the crime had taken place, and he was completely covered in mud. This witness has never recanted her story and is well known for her honesty. So, then there is the subject of Damien's knife. Multiple people... Blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. Multiple people have stated that Damien... I love how the closer you get to the end, the more you're... (laughs) I know, I'm so close. I'm on the second to last page. You're all, what are words? What what are these letters put together? Mm. A bunch of people have stated that Damien had a large survival knife that had a compass on the bottom of the handle. The bite marks found on Stevie Branch's body could be consistent with the shape of the compass, in tandem with the cuts being a match for the serrated blade. A knife was found in the lake behind Jason's house by a police diver, which was a match for the one that witnesses of Damien's knife had described. The manufacturer of the knife confirmed that there had been a compass on the bottom, which was now missing. So let's talk about Satan. You know... Because you mean we haven't mentioned him at all? Nope, no oh. Satan. It's the first mention wow. of Satan. So if you're playing the drinking game at home, we right. say Satan. We're going to say Satan some more times. Because what what would hauntings and homicide be without a mention of Satan? Satan? Satan. Satan? Satan. 
Are you talking about the Satan? Satan. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Okay. So, Damien was infamously fascinated by the occult, the founder of the Thelemetic religion, Aleister Crowley, being a focal point for his obsession. That name showed up many times in Damien's writing, both prior to and after his arrest. Crowley is often thought of as a Satanist icon, but in reality, he didn't even believe in Satan at all. He did, however, practice black magic and believed in embracing one's dark side. Crowley himself never advocated for any kind of child sacrifice, as his main point was sex magic. If Jesse's description of quote-unquote cult orgies in the woods are to be believed, we can clearly see where Damien got his inspiration from. Damien swore on the stand that he had never read anything written by Crowley, but that was pretty quickly proven to be a lie. Many years down the line, Damien would write a book entitled Life After Death, in which he describes performing one of Crowley's rituals while incarcerated. He stated, If Crowley could perform the ritual while on horseback, I could do it in a prison cell. What the fuck was Crowley doing doing magic on a horse? That is some, that is nerdy shit. I'm sorry, but that's, that's, that's called multitasking for your information. <laughs> Damien was also really into Anton LaVey, who wrote the Satanic Bible. But this text also does not advocate for child sacrifice. Once is there again, a book that does advocate for child sacrifice? No, not really. No? no. Okay. Not, Just curious. None that I've ever... You haven't stumbled upon any in your... Nope. Oh, just wondering. Which sounds like a joke, but... No, I'm just curious. I kind of would. No. No, you would. You would be the authority <laughs> on that. I, I'm sure it's out there somewhere in some fucking book, but it's not in anything uh, high-profile like Crowley or LeVay. It's not, you know, it's okay. not, like, commonly... It, would, would, just... it would have to be, like, a niche underground bullshit thing. Mm, just curious. Um, so since Damien's released from prison, he's been doing a lot of talking about magic. versus magic. He believes Didn't know that those were uh, right. mm, mm-hmm. He believes that low magic is common magic performed by solitary witches with short-term and small-scale results. High magic is about transcendence and becoming closer to deities. Damien claims that modern pagans and quote-unquote Instagram witches are ruining magic as a whole. After everything that's happened, has Damien achieved what he's always wanted? Fame? Recognition? He has famous friends such as Johnny Depp and Marilyn Manson. He's portrayed as the sympathetic anti-hero. He's writing his own books about magic, a sort of modern-day Aleister Crowley. His influence far greater than even he could have imagined. Or could he have? Since Jesse had confessed, he was tried separately from the other two. On February 5, 1994, Jesse Miss Kelly was sentenced to life in prison plus 40 years for one count of first-degree murder and two counts of second-degree murder. Damien and Jason's trial was held three weeks later, where they were found guilty on three counts of murder. Damien was sentenced to death, and Jason received life in prison. However, in 2011, all three were released on account of the rarely used Alfred plea, which allows defendants to plead guilty while still asserting their innocence. So, in part two is where we'll talk about how you really feel. I will talk about how, how I really feel. How we both really feel about this case. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, what is your obsession for this week? My obsession is that you finally get to sleep again and I never get have to, to sleep again and don't have to do any more research about the West Memphis Three because um, it's a lot. I left out a lot, not a lot, but there's <laughs> quite a few aspects of this case that I did not go over. But I encourage you to do your own research, and that's the whole point of this experiment. Um, I had several moments of panic because more information just kept coming forward, and I'm like, I'm I'm never going to be done. I'm going to be writing did about even, this case. Did you even make it to Reddit? I did. Oh, I stopped. I, I made it to it Reddit and, I stopped. and multiple other websites that have forums. I stopped. I didn't stop ever. Because apparently... Up until this day, they still have, like, almost, like, weekly debates about it. hmm And I was like, I'm good. <laughs> mm-hmm. I found Facebook posts and threads, and I couldn't quit. And I, I, I... This morning, I was having a panic attack because I'm like, I, I don't think I... I don't know how I to stop. I wish I had that time in my life where I could literally debate with random strangers about whether someone is or is not guilty. I literally don't. Like, I... Yeah. I'd rather just go watch... Friends for the 50th million time. <laughs> my turn? Yeah, go ahead. What's um, your obsession? My obsession. Um, I don't remember what episode, but somewhere along our early episodes, I had talked about the chef show. And come to find out, they did a volume two of season one, which makes me super excited. And it showed up on Friday. Don't really know where it came from. But I watched all of it this weekend, and I'm super excited because one of the pizza places on the episode I'm going to go to on Saturday. So Where is it? It's in West Hollywood. What's no. it called? Paisana. Oh, that's cute. It's this guy that came, comes from Naples. He's a third generation. Is the... Oh, sorry. Go on. He's a third generation baker, and he talks about bread like it's his child, and I love bread, so I'm so excited. I know. I'm, like, so excited. I literally will not eat all week just so I can eat right. my weight in pizza and bread. Because it it's like stone fire. Like, they have, like, one of the, the stone fire girls, like, directly from Naples. So, yeah. I'm excited. I'm going to go eat it on Sunday. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I like watching people eat. It's love, weird. You like watching people eat? I do. I love watching, Is like, Is that what food. you search on Pornhub? No. <laughs> That could go really raw. It. That. <laughs> Look, everyone has their thing. I don't judge. I know, but that could go really raw. I don't know what that means, but use my imagination. <laughs> Anyways, that's what I meant. That's it for us <laughs> for this week. We'll see you next Thursday. But if you miss us in the meantime, remember we're always with you in spirit, and we love you to death. To death. To death.